This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to It's Eleven, It's Heaven for Jamie Vardy, the Leicester City podcast by Leicester City fans, for Leicester City fans, and what a week it's been. We sit here tonight after the defeat at Crystal Palace led to the departure by mutual consent of Brendan Rodgers. Steve, you're down in Leicestershire. You ready for the next two games? I certainly am. Um, I think it's going to tell us a lot how we play in the next two games. Um, how much of it was down to... Uh, our ex-gaffer, uh, and how much wasn't. Well, it can't get much worse, can it? No. I mean, the thing is, we. I mean, you look at the Brentford game and you think, and you think well, the players are still playing for him. So, uh, you know, maybe we'll be all right and maybe he'll be all right. And then the next game, I mean, how many, I don't know how many players we, we had on the pitch overall, the 15 maybe. I think only three turned up against... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would agree. Uh, you know, it's it was poor, and then and and, you, and then you think, well, maybe there is a real problem in the dressing room and with the manager, um, and it's not just the players. But it'd be very interesting to see if Stale could get anything out of them for the next two games. They they're critical games. We've got we need to win them. They certainly are, Tom. You're looking forward to him yourself. We'll be there tomorrow night, won't we? Yeah, yeah, I, I am looking forward to going down. To be honest, I think it's uh, going to be a whole shift in uh, in atmosphere down there tomorrow and and on Saturday. I mean, the, the thing is that the next game is obviously a it's a tough game, and, and we've barely had any time to prepare really um, with Rogers going. So you know, I'm not expecting miracles tomorrow. But I'd like to. I'd like to think we can we can get a win at the weekend. Certainly, so you know, fingers crossed. Well, a man that won't be hoping for miracles tomorrow <laughs> from Leicester, Barry, Aston Villa fan, 
uh, friend of the show, part of the show. Um, how are you feeling about tomorrow night? And how, what's your initial thoughts on Brendan Rodgers' departure from Leicester? Yeah, it was obviously coming. I'm not. I'm not happy about the the bounce that you'll probably get. Um, I do. I think. I think we're just pretty solid just now. Weirdly enough, I was thinking about it today. Like when when you guys bet us, it's because we're pissing about at the back, and we like we've got better at that, but not much better. So I think if you're if you're front three are on it and really press us, you're in with a chance. But I think um, where we are strong or. or became incredibly strong is where you're horrendously weak and I think that's midfield so you kind of I think you need to hope for a rejuvenated midfield and well like Steve said you might find out that it was the manager that was causing it causing the midfield to be so poor we'll soon find out won't we Steve where were you yesterday when you you heard the news of Brendan Rodgers's sacking and what's your what's your initial thoughts um I was out and about actually in Leicestershire and um I kind of felt a wave of relief. You know, I was probably one of the last of us to to stop backing Brendan. Probably Aidan was the last one. But I was one of the last ones to stop backing him. And I just really felt it had gone on that long and it had been supported by Top and the club that long that we weren't going to make a change. But the performance was that bad against Palace. I mean, that bad. It really was. I mean, we even scored first um, against the run of play and still threw it away. That um, I think Top had no choice in the end. Um, so I, I felt relief, to be honest. Um, uh, uh, but I'm not sure whether it's quick enough. Well, that's going to be the age-old question, isn't it? Whether... We missed the opportunity of the international break, which has just been in Gontom, uh, which would have been a, a much more ideal time to yeah. potentially look at changing managers. Um, is is it too late? Um, well, there is that worry. Um, you know, pull, pulling the trigger after conceding a goal in, what, the 94th minute, was it? Mm. Um, you know, you've got to wonder if that would have happened if it had stayed one all, which is... A massive worry, really. Um, we didn't deserve anything there, did we, from that game? No, no, not at all. I think, I think Palace. Well, they absolutely pasted us in t- in terms of you know attempts. I know a lot were off target, but we just looked dreadful. Good God, the, the midfield was awful, um, and Suter was just tr- trying for six yellow cards. It seemed like. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's. It's kind of bizarre because I think we'd all expected um, Brendan to, to still be around at the end of the season, no matter what the result was. And and now, you know, there's a lot of rumours about managers flying around and I just don't know if anyone suits us in the position we're in at the moment. Well, Graham Potter, Barry has rejected uh, the chance to take over at Leicester tonight. It's probably... Uh, not a surprise, having come out of the Chelsea job, he's allegedly been given a payoff up to £60 million um, to, to be sacked from his job, which I'm sure we'd all like. Um, but, you know, is that a surprise that he sort of turned us down for you? No, I don't mean that in an offensive way. Just, I, think he, I think he's been a bit downtrodden with that job and I think mentally he needs to take the break. I think he knows he's not going to get a job of... Chelsea stature for a while, if ever again. 
Um, and I think he needs to sort of reassess what type of project he wants to take on. Um, and and, and unfortunately, he'll take the edge off it. What's that? Yeah, well, yeah. He'll take the edge off he it. Can, he can mull over it in the Maldives, yeah, for sure. But like, <laughs> I think, um, yeah, I think he need, he'll need a project and it, it'll need to be res- relatively positive. And it could be from how Leicester conduct their business because the thing, the thing is worrying about Leicester is because, because they've invested a bit poorly and not really spent the money I don't know if they've got the pool to take someone away so what, what are they looking are they looking at Europe or are they looking at lower divisions I, I just don't know I don't even think they have the, the lure to take the guy away from Celtic who absolutely transformed them it's, it's just a sticky wicket I don't I don't even know if there's someone that can come on short term because the, the sort of guys that do that are taken yeah. Um, I, I, I just don't know I don't know if, and, and it worries me because obviously I don't want to see you guys go down but it worries me this guy being in charge I, uh, like is he going to install the motivation because he was still part of the staff mm-hmm. so I, I'm just not too sure unless he does some something completely and utterly dramatically like the formation you posted earlier if he does something like that which for me has always been the best formation for you guys um, yeah I don't know I don't know man I, like I don't know what's next for you so what we're saying is that I need to get some coaching badges and uh, put myself forward after after my revolutionary formation earlier on. Yeah, <laughs> Steve, <laughs> what sort of legacy does Brendan Rodgers leave for you as a as a Leicester fan, or is it too soon and too raw at the minute to really go into that too much? Well, I think a lot depends on on whether we stay in the Premier League or not. Um, because it's a positive legacy in many ways. I mean, when he first came, we did play some good football. We finished, uh, we looked like we were going to get Champions League twice and we finished fifth. And a lot of people would say that was a failure on Rogers to lose that at the end of both seasons. But really, fifth place is as punching well above our weight, in, I, I believe. And we won the FA Cup and we won the Community Shield. Um and as I said, play some good stuff at times. So we can't ignore that. He did do a lot for the club. But if he takes us down, that's gonna that's gonna tarnish um his his whole reputation and list of achievements at the club. You wonder how much as well, Tom, the, the conversation might have been initiated by Rogers after that. He's he's gone across to the away fans at full time. They're they're pelting out the we want Rogers out chant. He doesn't want a relegation on his CV. Um, do, do you think no. he might have been the person to initiate the conversation with Top to say, "Look, let's talk some money around this, and uh, it's time to go." Um, I don't know whether he would whether he would have done that. To be honest, I mean, I feel like he's been talking his way towards that for six months. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's strange that that sort of conversation hadn't come sooner if it hadn't. Um, well, Top was out on the piss on Saturday night as well, wasn't he, over in Thailand? He was on the Akers and all sorts. Was he? Yeah. <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> so the wheels are fully off, are they? No, no having club and a cob for him, that's for sure. <laughs> no. It's, as you say, he's, he's not the type of manager to, to want that on his CV because... Um, he, he thinks he thinks a bit too much of himself, doesn't he? So, so. Well, he does. I mean, he came out didn't he after the game on Saturday, saying we were fortunate not to get something. I think that was like 
I think the final straw was a long time at ago. At some point, yeah, you've got to take responsibility, haven't you? And just just take it on the chin and say, look, things aren't working out for for him. Yeah. Or take some responsibility for the performances at least. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Barry, what about you for, from an outside point of view? Brendan Rogers' time at Leicester, he will probably in the history books go down as one of the most successful managers that we've had. Um, but it's probably about 18 months too late, isn't it, for for him now to, to still be at the club? Yeah, I think so. And I think unless you're a Leicester fan and you look at it neutrally without paying too much attention to it, he probably has, it probably does look successful. But um, having the privilege of being on this podcast, I've seen it in detail and it's not. Um, and some, like sometimes you, I think sometimes you ruin your legacy by staying too long. And I think he has through greed. And he must have known he wasn't doing a good enough job and it became so stagnant. Um, it's just amazing to me his ego is there. Like I, he, he must still have enough in the bank that he could have left earlier or made an, this type of agreement because there's no way he's getting the full amount. So they must yeah. have made it. So like they, they could have done this earlier. He could have done it for his own pride. That's the thing. I don't think I don't think pride kept him in it. It just it seems for me he just stayed for the money and didn't want to risk losing a very lucrative contract. And and whether anyone outside Leicester see that or not I'm not too sure but certainly clubs will see that clubs will do their due diligence with stuff like that um, so I, I don't know I don't know what funnily enough I don't know what Porter's next job is but Brendan will be getting a lesser job it's whether that club's already lined up for him though if there's um, Rogers. yeah yeah, it's the, Spurs, it's the Spurs are sniffing around as, yeah, as much yeah. as they may, they're making it. That is crazy. That is crazy for me. I, I think it's, uh, well, it, it could be greed, Barry, but I think it's arrogance. You know, I think he really did believe he could turn the fortunes around. Um, but he didn't He didn't have a clue, did he, once we got into a rut. We had a couple of moments, like the, the few games before the World Cup, and the the Villa away and Spurs at home games where it looked like he, he might do it. And then it's just fallen back again. And in a way, it's got worse. So um, I don't know if he suddenly just came to the realisation that he wasn't going to turn it around. And getting out now without relegation on his CV, which is might be how he's looking at it with 10 games to go, might be the way of uh, protecting his reputation up to mm. a point. It's quite funny though, isn't it? Because a lot of the PR machine for Brendan Rodgers has, has been in overdrive for the last 24 hours or so. A lot of the pundits saying Leicester have made a big mistake here. He wasn't back. He wasn't given the opportunity. He spent an awful lot of money at Leicester. If, if people actually look into what, what went on there, maybe not this season, but before that, he spent an awful lot of money. This was his team that he put together. Some signings that he made were not the right signings, Tom, were they in there? That, that's where he come back to, to haunt him, you know, signing players that were never going to get near the first team. Yeah, yeah, we've had plenty of signings recently that haven't worked out. And, I mean, you know, these, these pundits that, and, you know, the media that are banging on about, we, you know, we, we couldn't do any better or Brendan was still the right man for it, have clearly not been watching us play because you can just see the life being sapped out of the out of the uh out of the players out there and and yeah the the atmosphere's been shocking down the king power i know you know we always put on a, a decent atmosphere away but it's just not helping so it's, it was the right time to pull the trigger i suppose in in that respect but it's it's been the right time for a good while now yeah absolutely 
Steve, what's the highlight of this rain bin for you? Is it the Southampton game 9-0? Was it the FA Cup win? Uh, the top five finishes that should have been probably top four finishes? Is there anything that really stands out? Uh, yeah, well, we you know, we were lucky enough to be at Wembley for the cup final and the Tielemann screamer. And I think um, winning things and silverware has always got to be the thing that stands out. And that game stands out for me, you know, as a kid, always desperate to win the FA Cup. I mean, I was I was born in the 60s. We did three cup finals. They were our last cup, uh, last cup final in 69. Did a couple of semi-finals as well and failed to make it. And, um, uh, you know, so for me, that was always a dream for us to win the cup. And so that's got to be the highlight for me. It was uh, pretty much four years to the, to the, well, four years, one month to the day that, that he got at the, the club. For me, one of my highlights was, and it's probably one that, isn't one that would naturally stick out. But I just remember us playing uh, Arsenal at home in the, I think it was 2019, sorry, 2020-21 season. And we beat them 2-0 and it was when Madison and Vardy scored fairly late on. But we absolutely outplayed Arsenal that day. And I thought, this is a type of football that I never thought I'd see Leicester City playing. And the FA Cup win as well, of course, was was magical. You know, Baz, you'd give anything for that for Villa at the minute, wouldn't you? I think it's been 27 years since you've won something. Long time. Yeah, I would happily, yeah, happily trade that on. Yeah, so I think when the dust settles, the history books will be kind back to Brendan Rogers, and, you know, we'll end up thanking him if we stay up this season, as someone's already said. So that that's my little tuppence worth on, on my thoughts on him so far. So with anything, the, the view now comes into who's the next man going to be. Uh, Barry, have you had any thoughts on who might want to come and do the job at Leicester? I don't know. I'd like, he's not the right man for me long term, but I do think Hassan Hootl is someone that would come in now. I do think he would. But that's like, you're going to, you're going to, it's squeaky bum football. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if you've got the defenders for it. That's fair enough for you. Hassan Hootl currently at 12 to 1, Steve. Um, there's some uh, interesting names on the list. It'd be fair to say. <laughs> yeah. Well, how real they are, we don't know, do we? Um, I, I, I'm a bit torn at the moment about whether we should just get someone, if we can, for the rest of the season, that will get us motivated and help us stay up. We probably only need three wins, don't we, out of the ten games? But that's yeah. a big ask for the way we've been playing. Um, three wins and a draw or so might might be enough. But um and and then try and sign someone that'll be able to work their magic again going forward as, as a medium term medium term plan for next season onwards. But I don't know if that's feasible. I, I don't I'm not overexcited by any of the names. I mean, even Potter, I think right now, after his his experience at Chelsea. I'm not sure he'd be the guy to lead us through 10 cup finals. Um, but I think long-term, he'd be a guy better suited to the project. But I, I think it shows how fragile it is for a club like Leicester to be in the, in the Premier League because, you know, we we won the league, nearly got relegated the very next season, right, um, under Ranieri until Shakespeare turned it around. Um, and we flirted with relegation a couple of times. And for, for one or two good signings we've made, like Fafana, for instance, 
we have signed a lot of rubbish and we just can't, you know, teams that have got a lot of money like the Manchester United's and whatever can get away with that. We can't unless unless we get four out of five absolutely bang on. We're going to struggle in the Premier League. And that's the reality for clubs like Leicester, I think. Yeah, we have to look at sides like Brentford and Brighton to see how to do it right at the moment. We we were that blueprint, weren't we, for so many years of clubs coming up and actually the way that they went about their business being plucky and, and whatnot. But sides like Brighton and Brentford and Fulham have, have overtaken us now. Yeah, but I mean, they could go the same way as what I'm saying, Mark, right? They've made some good signings. We talked last week about Mitoma, two and a half million. They could sell him for 40, 50 million. Uh, uh, and then spend sixty million on two players that are complete junk, and they start spiraling down the table again. Yeah, exactly that that same kind of thing. So I, you know, what what I've been thinking about is, um, yeah, they're models at the moment, just as we are, but they could end up making the same mistakes as we do. Recruitment mm. is so critical, isn't it? And we've ever since we've won the league, we haven't done a fantastic job on recruitment. Um, we, uh, it's been at best 50% successful and in recent times less than that It certainly has and like you said we just can't afford that I'll go down the list of names a little bit and I'll take some of your thoughts so after Graham Potter is the favourite obviously he's not going to be taking over so that will change very very shortly but Rafa Benitez is the next uh, name on the list Tom at 5-1 to one. what's your thoughts on, on Rafa? I don't know, to be honest. I mean, I I could see it happening. I could see it happening out, out of some of those names on that list. In the short term till the end of the season? Yeah, yeah, I could. Um, I think Potter was just completely lazy journalism, to be honest. That was just ridiculous. You might as well say Conte's coming, or Tuchel. Oh. Um, <laughs> or is he making your list as well? <laughs> well no, he, he was he's the favourite on there, but um, mm. like I said, I think it was two and two together. Yeah. By all accounts, Leicester have made an approach. So that says to me that Leicester don't know who they're going after. There wasn't a plan in place when, they, when they've when released Brendan Rodgers from his contracts. And that is a bit of a worry for me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, most of the, the names on the list, as, as Barry said there with Hassan Hall, um, I'd be really worried about having someone like that in charge at the moment, especially uh, just for the end of the season. And, you know, you don't want to throw a ton of money at someone as if they're going to be a permanent fixture when we're not ready for that at all. Um, so the football manager geek in me would say this has got to be performance related. Um, so any pay, there'd be a huge bonus for keeping us in the Premier League for whoever would, would like you to, to, to come in. Barry, I've heard names like Marshall and Bielsa be mentioned so far as well. I think Leicester are just desperate. We were that desperate to get rid of Rogers. Um, you know, the, the alternatives were maybe not thoroughly thought through at that time, but it's given the whole fan base a massive lift anyway over the last sort of 24 hours. Um, the next name on the list was John Dahl Thomason at Blackburn. Do you know much about him? <laughs> not particularly. I, I know him as an ex-player. But, um, yeah, Blackburn are okay, but they, they're streaky. They were solid and then they went through a losing streak. I can't remember who was in at that point. And then he came in. And he's kind of streaky. So, like, I don't know. I don't know if that would be the right move. I think... That um, feels like more of a long-term that, suggestion. Yeah, yeah. I know a Blackburn fan. They say that they're very inconsistent. 
Yeah, they, they the, win all, the, the win all get stuffed, you know. So they they have some good games and they look dynamite, and then in other games they're they're pretty poor. So uh, who else Stephen is on the list? Stephen oh, Gerrard on the list. You're doomed. He would be doomed. We already feel doomed. You'd be doomed by him. Yeah, we would. Yeah, there's quite a few on here. Would be doomed. To be fair, I like Michael Carrick, but again, he's not going to leave for ten games to go with the. The season is he when he's doing such a good job with Middlesbrough and they might get into the, the playoffs, Steve. Uh, you wouldn't think so, no. Um, and does he have the experience to guide us through a relegation uh, battle? I mean, even in his playing career, um, let alone his managerial or coaching career, he's really been at the top of tables. That's where his experience is. And picking up this lot of rabble that have completely lost their confidence um, is going to be a tough ask. I was on a call yesterday with uh, the Beyond the 90 lads and it was suggested on there that maybe Johnny Evans might be a good uh, candidate to, to be the, the sort of face of the rest of the season with the experience that he had under Sir Alex Ferguson at Man United with Northern Ireland. Um, I don't know what your thoughts maybe are on, on that. Is he fit enough to make it down to the touchline? <laughs> <laughs> good point. Remote <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit out there, isn't it? I wonder if we're going to do something a bit out there for the rest of the season. I can see Mike Stell uh, keeping hold of the reins, especially if we get four points out of the next two games, uh, which, which is going to be very, very difficult because a lot of respect on Aston Villa's name at the minute, Barry. You guys are in great form, aren't you? Yeah, we, we, yeah we, we, just, we were lucky to get a manager who could just came in and just transform players because we, similarly to you, players will just weren't playing the way they could be and have the potential to and he has just completely and utterly unlocked that and made um, players look utterly garbage into what look like world beaters. Um, back to the previous comments. Do you know, would Martin O'Neill not be someone that could steady the ship to the end of the season? So I've seen it mentioned, yeah. I did text Steve Guppy last night. There's a little name drop in there because he goes with Martin O'Neill uh, as part of his coaching team where he has done previously. I said, are you getting the band back together? Um, <laughs> but uh, he's, he's not texted me back yet. So You should, you should maybe ask uh, KDH who he wants. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> I'm going to have to put a little explanation of that on the pod, aren't I? I, yeah. I came out of work the other day. I made a, a tweet um, saying that Prime Brendan Ball had, had sort of stopped at the point that KDH came in the team. And I wasn't actually blaming him for it. It was just a, just something, you know, we stopped playing well at the end of that season and then KDH came in. It was a controversial opinion. Um, I was aware of that. I didn't think anything of it. And I came back to my car later um, to a couple of messages from KDH um, saying, would I mind elaborating on it? Because it seems like a wild statement. And to blame everything on one place seems a little bit unfair. So, uh, yeah, a bit of a bit of a shock that was to me, really. I did message him back, um, apologising for any offence it may have caused, but also saying, "Look, I don't think you have been at your, your best this season." But um, yeah, that's my that's my podcast podcast semi exclusive after I released it on Twitter. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, we're uh, we're getting famous, lads. Good, you are, Mark. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> um, but, but I'm going to get you to tell your story in a bit, Barry, about your drive back from Glasgow. I think. <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> That's no one thanks. For, 
for any listeners uh, that, that are listening, just, just message me and I'll tell you. I'll forward on the <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's one of those that... Is that a sign as well that the squad are, are maybe focused in the wrong areas at the minute, Steve? You know, all that energy and passion probably should go into on-field performances. Yeah, look, some people are uh, probably unhappy with Rogers and things that have been going on. How many? You know, there was, there was only one report of unrest at the training ground um, as a part of the reason uh, why last week, actually, as part of the reason why he's got sacked. And But, you know, it's hard, they're so hard to read. They're obviously short of confidence. But in in the last game... Really, you've got to say Everson had a, a good game, right? You can't blame him for that. It was very unfortunate with a with a free kick that uh, went in off his arse. But um, uh, I think Fass had a decent game. And then Ricardo, who was a substitute, they were the only three that really turned up. I mean, Suter was awful. You might say that's his inexperience and he was away with Australia. He had a lot of travel that affected him, but also where he was a star man at Brentford and they were pumping crosses in, which is meat and drink for him. Against Palace, they were running at him and he looked ragged, didn't he, in that respect. Um, And Fass had a better game. So that's weird. Madison didn't do anything. Barnes didn't do anything. KDH kept giving the ball away. Wilf was back to his worst. Well, well, you know, it, it, look, he brings he brings a lot of energy and and fight to the team. He's got a really good engine, but his passing has been sloppy. And indeed, he nearly gave them two or three goals with his passing, and he was awfully contributing nothing to the game either. So, uh, and no one that played up front contributed anything. So, uh, you know, it's so poor. It's uh, you know, what is it going to take for them to realise? Uh, you know, because a lot of them could go. Right? How many of those players have to stay past the end of the season? So how bothered are they? And what is it that yeah? What is it about self pride and self respect that is going to get them motivated and out of the malaise and actually putting in some performances consistently? I would totally agree. That was a great little bit of a speech there, Steve Fair. Barry. How would you? sort of galvanise these players and get them together? And does Mike Stowell and Adam Sadler need to do something, that's Sadler, not Adam Sandler, uh, need to do something completely different? Or can they just make some minor tweaks, do you think? Um, yeah, I think he does have to change that. Uh, to be fair, Villa's probably the right team for it. Take away the fact that we're in form. We're a small side. So you can you don't have to commit these big players just because they're big like Mendy should be back in the team he'll be up against them again or a Louise so it's matches in height um, yeah. K- yeah KDH probably needs to be dropped like and I, I think if you go, if you got the 3-5-2 maybe he's the one that, that yeah. comes out um, uh, Barnes probably needs to be dropped as well because you can always use him as an impact you can always change information if it's not going to plan but he can't be a bystander again for another game Madison, you can't drop because he's a, he's just the guy. But like playing Madison behind in uh, uh, Ian Acho and probably Daka, and play the wing backs three at the back. I don't, I don't, I, I God, I don't know. I guess an absolute dilemma. 
But for me, as being the neutral, when you when you worry, well, being a Villa fan, you worry about the, the manager bounce. You also worry about players who always score against us. Uh, it's Ianacho and Vardy. So it wouldn't be surprised me if them two start up top. Just just for that, just for the psychology behind it. Vardy always causes us trouble. He does. Pace or no pace, yeah. scored more goals against Villa than he scored against anyone else. So I think that's every second striker in the league's done that. Like, is that right? Yeah, I think so. Every team has a striker that that's where the ones that score the most against. He was scoring against you in his Man City days, I think, wasn't he as well? Yeah. Was his, yeah. yeah. What would you do, Steve, if you were Mike Stahl? I'm saying Mike Stahl is the, is the figurehead of the two. Yeah, uh, you would imagine he's the he's the more vocal person, wouldn't you? Having seen him and Sadler on the sidelines. Um, well, I, I, you know, I think changing the formation and going to up front um, uh, is good. But how do you get the best out of the players? He knows them well. He's been at the club a long time, longer than anyone in the backroom staff. So, um, and I think he's passionate about the club. So maybe he just tries to bring some of that passion into the dressing room and get the players fired up because um, it seemed to be missing with Rogers, didn't it? I mean, he was he was a calm guy and a thinker. But you never, ever felt he was passionate or he wore his heart on his sleeve. And maybe just someone like Stell doing that and saying how important this was for him, for the club, might actually get get a bit of fire from the players. But we'll have to wait and see. Has there been a, I haven't seen a press conference uh, today for, for Mike Stell. Um, I don't know if anyone has seen anything. No, not no. seen anything. I'm just I mean, I saw look. some photos, Mark, from the Mercury and uh, from training, and they didn't look a happy lot. So yeah. there, wasn't, there wasn't a lot of rejoicing going on that Brendan had gone, um, which in a way is worrying. I, I, you know, from a bounce point of view, it it would have been more encouraging to see the players in a. I, mean, I know it's an awkward time when you've just lost the manager, but and he brought a lot of them in. But nevertheless, um, it, it, I wasn't encouraged by the training photographs. Do you think you feel responsible? Do you think the players feel responsible for it? They, they've got to, Barry. Yeah. Because, I mean, um, who's who's playing well? You know, Everson's uh, not let us down. He's only played two games. Suter's played quite well, but, but was poor at the weekend. Um Fass is in and out. Ricardo's looking better. Madison's been generally great. And when he's on form, he helps us win games. But he was poor at the weekend. Players have got to take some responsibility. Um, you know, there, there is a bit about self-respect and self-motivation. And even if you're not getting on with the manager, you you should want to do a good job for the club that you're at and for your own careers. And, um, yeah, they have to take some responsibility. It's quite telling, though, Steve, um, that only one player has come out on social media and thanked uh, Brad Rogers so far, and that was Ricardo, and it was a very, very short sentence saying thank you it for was. four years. Uh, is that a surprise to you that we haven't seen more public support for him? Yeah, but sometimes it takes a little while, doesn't it? Players could be in shock. I mean, they probably thought it was never going to happen. I mean, some of them, um, whether they like Rogers or not, have got to be thinking that they've they've brought this on. They've mm. contributed big time to 
Rogers getting the boot. Um, and, and, and yeah, you, you would hope for a new manager bounce, but we haven't got a new manager. You know, well, uh, so uh, I am a little bit worried about that as well. Let's have a look at the, the stats for Mike Stowell's two caretaker manager reigns so far. Uh, in the last one, it was played 1-1-1, one, 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 uh, which were obviously a record. Yeah. <laughs> Prior to that, it was uh, in 2011-2012, it was three games, one win, two defeats. That was after Sven left before the return of uh, Nigel Pearson. So I'm not sure we can... I'm not sure we can sort of look into that too much, but he's been at the club 17 years now, Tom. Part oh, of the yeah. fixture, part of the fixtures and fittings, and uh, he he will know what it means to this club to to be in the the top division, won't he? Yeah, I mean, you, you'd like to think that the blunt conversation is pick up points or, or we're going down, and you, you you would have thought those are the conversations that we're having now that that Rogers has gone, um, if not if not beforehand. Um, yeah, because you know the the players surely for the whole season they've they've known the gravity of, of you know the results they've been getting. Um, yeah. It shouldn't be a shock, but perhaps perhaps it is because of uh, because of uh, what's what's been coming out of Rogers's mouth. I, it's hard to say though. Um, I mean, I I'm surprised as as you've just said um, that only Ricardo's come out and thanked the manager. I am surprised after all that time. I've never really. Um, noticed any any issues between Rogers and the players as such so yeah, it's a strange one perhaps they uh, they don't know the next move can't be good going to work managing being managed by someone that doesn't want to be there though that would put you no. off and that that would uh, not be motivational at all yeah you see a yeah. mile off that he's not wanting to be there you could yeah to, to be fair in uh, in his press conferences for well, throughout the whole season, really, you know, with with Casper going, um, it's all been a bit woe is me from him, hasn't it? So, um, yeah, it's it's a tough thing to ask for just the players to to turn it around. Well, before we move on to talk about how great Aston Villa are, Barry, we'll let you do that for for a little while. Um, I thought I'd bring back last man standing. I've only gone and got one. Yes. I've, uh, I've I've got one. So. It's been all over the news, so you might complete this in the, the last 24 hours, but 13 Premier League managers have changed jobs this season. Or 13 clubs, rather, have changed their manager. Um, one of them has been at two clubs, as, as we know. I'll give you Graham Potter for a start. Um, but the other 12, I'd like you to name for me, the managers that have been sacked or have left their clubs this season in the Premier League. I'll start with you, Steve. Um... Conte. Conte. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tom. Uh, Jesse Marsh. Jesse Marsh. Left on February the 6th. Barry. Stevie G. Yeah, he did. He's gone as well. I'm trying to find where he was. October the 20th. Is that that long ago? It feels like no, it was that long ago. It probably feels like a five, long time. Five months. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Steve, I, I think it was this season. Hassan Hoodle. Yeah, Hassan Hoodle was November the sixth. Tom, I'm struggling. I don't know why. I must have seen these graphics over the last couple of days. Bloody hell! 
Um... No, I've got nothing, mate. Bloody hell. We'll, we'll sit you out then. Buzz, back over to you. Tuchel. Thomas Tuchel, September the 7th. He was the second manager this yeah, season okay. to lose his job. Steve. Well, um, it, it's easier to name the ones that haven't lost their job, isn't it? I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, let's try and think. Um, <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Who was that? He's <laughs> um, <laughs> having a rough time. Um, uh, well, obviously. Um, uh, Vieira at Palace. Oh, bloody hell. Yeah. That's right. I'll find where it was. March 17th. Barry. Uh, Scott Parker. Scott Parker was the first on the 30th of August. Oh, he was, wasn't he? Oh, it's down to me again. Oh, this is coming too quick now. Um, 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 who was there? Who was there? Who was there? Lampard. Lampard, yeah, January the 23rd. Nice. Harry? Um, who else is there? Uh, oh, I think I'm out of thick. I can't remember who the rules guy's name was. Yeah, count me out. That's me out. Thanks, Barry. Lager. <laughs> yeah, Bruno Lager, yeah. Um, Bruno Lage. Um, yeah. Steve, you've won this week's last man standing. Yeah. That, I mean, you've got to get the beers in tomorrow night. That's the... Uh... All right, that's fair <laughs> enough. Uh, the full list are Scott Parker, Thomas Tuchel, Bruno Lage, Stephen Gerrard, Ralph Hassan-Hootl, Frank Lampard, Jesse Marsh, Nathan Jones at Southampton. Yeah, I was trying to remember his name. I he was the only one that you guys didn't get. Patrick uh, Vieira, Antonio Conte. Actually, I say the only one. No one said Brendan Rodgers either. Oh, yeah, I thought you'd given us that, but you gave us... Yeah, I gave me too. Gave yeah. Potter. Yeah. I gave That's you Potter. Um, so, and then Graham Potter was the last one there as well. Right, Barry, what can Leicester City expect tomorrow night from Aston Villa? I've kind of thought about this, so I can thought about our weaknesses and our strengths. So I think... Our strengths now are um, we suffocate teams, so we, we piss about at the back, get teams to overcommit and, and beat that first press, and then we have four or five players that turn and attack. I think um, if we can get that going, your back three or five or two are going to really, really struggle with that. But Watkins, Boindia, Ramsey, again, running at that centre-halves are going to struggle, I think. Um, <clears throat> we don't particularly attack down the wings, Um uh, Alex Moreno is doing really well down the left just now, so I'd be surprised if he didn't double up on him. Where Pereira might be the right choice to, to look after him, I would have thought. Down the right, we don't really attack. We've got Ashley Young there just now, um, so he he's ineffective as a forward-going player. So if, certainly if you play Barnes, that's all he'll do. He'll be on Barnes the whole game. Um, when Dia is a terrier and isn't really in the game, he, he drives me crazy because he doesn't really do anything, but he'll always set up three XG chances out of nowhere. Um, I think people just fall asleep on him because he's so erratic. But realistically, 
um, if you don't sort the midfield out or just show a bit of grit there, Kamara, Louise, McGinn, whoever's in there, will run you ragged because they're they're playing unreal. Um, and Ollie Watkins, well, that'll be um, he's he's just broken the record for five away games on the trot, mm. so this would continue that record. Um, so he's dangerous. Um, and that's yeah, that's pretty much in a nutshell. But you can definitely get us like you did the last time. All four goals were errors at the back, and that was because of your press. So they just need to kind of look at that blueprint again and give that a go. It's been really since that game, isn't it, against Leicester that Villa have really picked up their form. Um, I think you're ninth in the league now, or eighth. Um, ninth, uh, ninth in the league, and since Emirates came in, we would be third. Yeah, so a real upturn in form then, because I think you were seventeenth when Emery came in, weren't you? So uh, a well, we'd, be, we'd be we'd be sixth in the league if we beat you. That's what, we'd be six in a row. We know oh, we'd be sixth six in, in the league. Sorry, yeah. but uh, no, no, if we if we if we bet you the last game, we'd currently be sitting at sixth. Right. Okay. Yeah. Which is quite a turnaround. Right, Steve. You've heard what Barry's got to say. How do Leicester counteract that and and uh, and come away with something? Because we need something tomorrow night, don't we? We can't leave empty-handed. Yeah, that's right. I mean, well, I think one of Roger's obsessions was having a big team, um, not helped, of course, by our set-piece woes in the past. And he signed Samari, didn't he? And he's put Wolf back in, even though Mendy was playing great. So um, play with the players that are playing well. I mean, Wolf shouldn't be anywhere near the starting lineup. It's got to be Mendy. And and as Barry said, Villa aren't a big team, so we don't need uh, Land of the Giants turning up for us, right? Um, but the midfield is a real concern, um, especially if Madison's not on it, Barnes isn't on it. There, there's such a lot of the creative threat when you haven't got Tillemans playing forwards, um, and we won't have Tillemans. So, uh, yeah, the midfield really worries me, and we've just got to. I think put Mendy in, change it up a little bit, like you've suggested on um, on Facebook or to us. I can't remember whether you put it on Facebook or just sent it to us. But um, we've we've got to change things and be more positive. I think um, it's like Rogers was scared of losing most of the time, and that's that. Let's keep it. Oh, at that would be scared if we lost seventeen games. <laughs> Yeah, well, <laughs> his nightmares came true most of the time. I need to be scared of the winning lottery numbers, I think, under that you, saying. I mean, we weren't attacking enough, were we? Really, I mean, we haven't been we haven't been attacking enough and we've gone with one up front and none of our strikers are, are at their best when we're playing one up front. Does that change for you tomorrow night, Tom? Uh, that one up front, is that something that you'd look to look to change? Yeah, I, th- I think it's got to really. Um, you know, there's not much confidence up top at all at the minute. Um, and Ian Acho on his own often looks lost. So I, I feel like putting him up, up top with Vardy, who will at least, you know, show a bit of aggression, you would have thought, with the, with the situation that we're in now. Um, so, yeah, Men- Mendy back in the midfield. I don't, I don't know how we've... we've not been playing him after the few minutes that he's had recently because he's he's looked fantastic. He's definitely stood out as one of our better players. Well, and if you've got Mendy probably... running directly at people like a little Rottweiler with uh, with Vardy doing the same up, up front, you know, we're, we're sure to get a, a few turnarounds in play. You could just match us. We, we play 4-4-2. Four, four, 
like matching this would make sense. Then you're putting it on the players. Who's your second like, striker that, with uh, Watkinson? But Buendia plays behind him. Does he? Yeah, that's interesting. Well, him or Bailey? Bailey might start just for his pace tomorrow against yeah, Sutton and Fast. Yeah, because that's yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a, a real Achilles heel for us, isn't it? That that pace at the back, uh, Fast and uh, and Suter are maybe not the quickest, Barry. If you put, yeah, if you play a high line, we'll punish you. Like I think I think you just need to play really deep. Play Mendy. I don't know, like that well, does have to be KDH with them, doesn't it? Like you, you'd have to play them quite far back and just do what we would we are gonna try and do, absorb the absorb the pressure and go to the counter. It could, it could be a bit of a dull fest. To, to you reckon? Get on over like, to If if we score early, then I'd I'd fear for you. But um yeah, it could easily be like a nil nil, one nil, something like that. I think the good thing is that if you did score early tomorrow, if Rogers was still in position, it would have turned totally uh, toxic at that point. Yeah, you'll get, you'll get the sport. To be fair, the, the stadium would get behind you, even if you could see it in the first head. I, yeah. I could believe that happening there. Yeah. How will your lads handle a bit of a hotter atmosphere? Is that something that you, you'd worry about, or do you think these guys now have got enough about them to deal with that? Oh, no, if they can handle Stamford Bridge and... Uh, and whatnot, I think we can probably handle that. I, they just—they're just not—we're just not a team that buckle into that anymore. Just it doesn't affect us. The only, the only player that really affects is Tyler Mings, but um, as long as he keeps his head, we should be fine. But uh, Steve, this uh, this confidence that Villa are, are portraying at the minute—will that worry you about tomorrow night, or do you think they, they can be there to be got at? Yeah, of course it would. Um... Worry me because we have been showing no confidence, have we? Um, and that's something that Stowell and Sadler have got to try and turn around in a couple of days. So it's a tough ask. Um, and you've got to hope that they get fired up, they start to play well, their confidence starts to build throughout the game, and we get a bit of luck and we get something out of the game. That's That's all I'm hoping at the minute. Just uh, something I've just seen while you've been chatting there is that Rob Dorsett's just tweeted from Sky saying that the result against Aston Villa is likely to impact on the speed of the managerial move, Tom. So if we get a good result, I think Stowell will be in charge for Bournemouth. If not, I think they're going to look to move fairly quickly. What's right. your thoughts on that? It's a strange one, isn't it? It's, it's kind of like, well, what do you want to happen at that point? Um yeah, I, I could totally see a sticky wrist out if um, if we get, you know, even a point out of the game, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, I mean, as, as as long as we get some points on the board, I don't think it matters who, who we've got for the end of the season. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It really doesn't. Um, what would you be expecting from the fans tomorrow, Tom? What would your message to the Leicester faithful be? How do we get behind the team? Well, I mean, you know, spe- speaking to people around here um, today, I think there's already kind of a good boost in morale, to be honest, around, around Leicester, which is a bit strange <laughs> because, I don't know, I wouldn't say that I'm elated that um, that Brendan's gone, but I do feel like there is there is a bit more of a, of, of a fighting chance of us staying up now, which is... Uh, which is bizarre, given that we're we're kind of at a loss with with who who's going to be in charge or who we're going to play or what anything really. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, it's it's a bizarre situation to be in, but I think obviously the the fans are going to give it a hundred percent tomorrow, without a doubt. I know you know we spoke as soon as Brendan went, and we're both excited to get down there. So yeah, yeah. I, it was really interesting because I tweeted Sunday morning around this little stat that Villa have only beaten us once at our place since uh, we got promoted um, back in 20, 2014. And I said, is that reason for hope? And the replies were all, no, no hope. We've got no chance. We've got nothing. Then we sat Brendan Rogers, and all of a sudden, some of the um, music started to change fairly quickly on that, Steve. What, what do you think the, the team can expect from us as fans tomorrow night? Well, 100% backing, I hope, and a lot of noise because we've been quite a divided fan base, haven't we? And even we were chatting um, at the at the Brentford game, I think, that there was even fights breaking out between supporters or whatever, the Rogers in, Rogers out brigade. And it, and it does seem to have divided the fan base. That's all gone now. So we've got to be together, haven't we, and and, and just support the lads. Um yeah, we've got to make it loud. Um, we've got to really create a, an atmosphere um, at, at the King Power. So it'd be interesting. I'll, I'll do my bit as best as I can, but it'll be interesting to see what it's like on tomorrow evening. And that's as much as we can ask, really, isn't it? If 30, 30 odd thousand of us all have that same attitude, I think, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, Barry, but I think home games are going to be the, the absolute key for us for the rest of the season. We've got five left at home uh, and they're all very winnable with Villa being probably the least winnable of them. But still, you know, with all due respect, it's not Man City uh, that are coming to town. Um, so, so uh, you know, I think we need to be looking for at least 10 points from our home games. And I think if we get them, we'll probably be all right. Yeah, I would agree. I think I think it's um, because, like, like we talked in the last podcast, everyone's playing everyone. So it's not. It's that no one's. I don't think anyone's going to storm away with it. Even even with Palace's win over here at the weekend, they're only three ahead of you. It's it's just ridiculous, and it's keeping the league exciting because realistically, there's only one team that aren't playing for anything, and that's Chelsea. It's so strange. I don't think we've ever had a season like that. So, like the, the lower teams will turn over. There will be turn like surprise turnovers, um, and, and I'd be surprised if Leicester were to win tomorrow. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a draw just because, like you said, we don't really do well against you guys. Um, but the the air of confidence is going through our boys. I just I just don't see in that that changing, unfortunately for you. Give us a score prediction for tomorrow night then, Barry. I think you're going to be quite defensive. I think you need to be... I, I, I don't see a score in. I think it'll be 2-0. No. Okay, Tom? I could see that, but... <laughs> I can't say that. We we need a point. Um, so I'm going one all. Steve. I think we'll be a lot more adventurous and we may be a little bit lucky, but we're it's two each. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for a Leicester win. Two one against the runner play, a real shit house of a performance. Jamie Crowdy <laughs> to Russell back to his best. He's got one more. I'm, I'm convinced, lads, he's got one more streak in him just to come back. This is the end of the film we're talking about now. So he's he's done everything else. This is the last little bit. Here to save his club. Keep us up by the skin of his teeth. Probably a 94th minute winner against West Ham on the last day of the season, but it's got to start somewhere. And for me, he's got to play tomorrow night. 2-1 Leicester. 
KPH with the other one, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> with a misplaced pass that finds the back of the net. <laughs> yeah, I never said that. I never don't, don't put words into my mouth. Okay, well, who have you got the weekend, Barry, after Leicester? Forest. Oh, do us a favour. Yeah, I think we will. I think we'll smash them. Yeah, for sure. The the general consensus around where I'm at at the minute, where I'm living, is that Wolves are going to go down. Their fans are absolutely convinced that they're going to go down. Um, and Southampton uh, think they're going to go down. But also Forrest uh, are in big trouble as well. They're all about sacking Steve Cooper. Tom, would that be a real surprise to you if that happened? Yeah, it would be a surprise to me, to be fair. But I've I've heard the same thing from, from Forrest fans today at work. So... Um... Yeah, I think that's a bit drastic, to be honest. Do you take him the forest? No. No. No? No, can't do that. I'm no, it would well. be crazy if I had him. They would be crazy. I'm looking at as well at the minute of the uh, Everton score. So Everton are obviously one place above us. At the moment, they're, they're drawing nil-nil with, with Spurs and apparently they've started really well. I wouldn't be surprised, Steve, if they won this game tonight, would you? No, um, Spurs never do us any favours, do they? Um, no, let's hope they don't. Um, let's hope they start well and uh, it, it all turns to ratchet for them. Um, uh, that's what I'd be hoping. And Tottenham can do us a favour. So it's so tight down there, still, isn't it? I, mean, I don't ever recall a Premier League being this tight down the bottom. You must be happy to be out of that, Barry, but you've got Three points separating us in 19th to Wolves in 13th. It's it's not terminal yet, is it? We need to get some positivity and get behind the team now. Absolutely not. And that's it's like you said, there is 10 games left. Like, can can you get nine points out of that? Yes, you absolutely can. If you can get that, get four of them or six of them within the first four games, that puts so much more pressure on the other teams. I think it, I think it is doable. We highlighted that wee passage of four teams in the middle of the 10. I think it was West Ham, Fulham, Southampton and Forest, I mean. No, that's, that's, that, that's, the, that's the grouping. I think Like if you can get a point out of us, uh, who's it on the weekend? Uh, Bournemouth at the weekend at home. That's huge. That's a huge game. But yeah. they look all right. Yeah, that's a huge game. Um, the other side of this is if we somehow managed to pick up a win tomorrow the, mo- the momentum going into that on Saturday will be right back in our favour then, wouldn't it? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. So we're living in eternal hope. I'm going to ask you this question, chaps, and I want your honest answer for how you're thinking at the minute. But Steve, are Leicester going to get relegated this season? My head says they might. My heart says no, of course not. Tom? <laughs> um, <clears throat> it's It's hard to say that we won't, based on uh, everything that we've we've seen gone gone wrong in in the last year. Um, but you know, I'd, <laughs> I'd feel a lot more comfortable answering your question after the weekend. <laughs> yeah. So next show, you're going to give me a definitive both of you. Absolutely. Two. Yeah. 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 It is purely ba- based on these these next two performances. Really uh, speak volumes. I think. Yeah, but it's just be nice to us tomorrow. You know, you have to understand that if you do batter us, we're going to be right down in the dump. So you need to send some nice stuff through on our group chat. 
Uh, no, you can you can just beat Bournemouth. Beat Bournemouth's fine. That is enough. I think um, you you could easily lose to us and draw to Bournemouth. And if the performance was there that you just you just missed out on a win or just missed out on a point, that is encouraging because it's the performance. It's like because if you go if you continue the same performances, you're down. There's no ifs or buts about it. So great. you just need to see. You just need to see. You just need the big players turn up. Um, and yeah, like for me, there's players that need to be taken out of the fire line, and Mendy has to play yeah. against us. He has to play against us. If you stand a chance. I, I posted a lineup earlier that I thought would be a, a good lineup to to go with tomorrow. So my lineup would be Daniel Leverson in goal, a back three of Siunchu, get him back in, get him back in from the cold. It doesn't matter what's gone on before. Yeah. Early match, another match for Turkey in the international break. Get him alongside Suter and Valtfast. Um, as a three at the back to steady things up a little bit. Christensen and Ricardo either side as wing backs. In the middle, I've got Mendy and KDH with Madison in front of them. And then for me, Vardy and Ianacho score goals against Villa. They have done, whether Vardy's still got that in him or not, time will tell, but I'd rather us die trying than, than not doing anything. That'd be my lineup for, for tomorrow night. I'm pretty happy with that, Mark. I think we've got no wingers there, but Ricardo and. and um... Christiansen can provide a bit of width. Yeah. I reckon if we played three at the back, though, Sion Chu's not been doing it in training. I think Big Dan would be coming in. And, uh, yeah, which I know won't be popular with a lot of the fans, but. um, It's popular with the one in the bottom right hand corner of my screen. (laughs) That's Barry, it must be. (laughs) Yeah, Barry, yeah. 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 All right, chaps. It's been an absolute pleasure. We've got through an hour straight away. Off the bat, no no uh, scripts, no nothing tonight. We've just had a, a bit of a chat. So I hope if you've listened to it, you've really enjoyed you know what we've had to say. Give us a, a follow uh, on our social media. Subscribe to the uh, podcast on whatever podcast network that you, you listen to it on. And uh, we'll be back again soon. But chaps, that's that's it. Tom and Steve, I'll see you tomorrow. You um, yeah. We'll get back on the old positivity bus. Barry, good luck for tomorrow, but not too much yeah, good luck. All the best, chaps. Yeah, all the best. <laughs> all the best. Yeah, yeah good luck next weekend, Barry. Yeah, save <laughs> yeah, all your goals for Saturday <laughs> against them lot. Uh, but that's it. That's another episode of It's Eleven. It's Heaven for Jamie Vardy. And we'll join you again next time.
Podcast Network.